is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Tom Vazana about his life journey and entertainment going through the Walt Disney Company. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Tom Vazana. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Tom Vazana. Tom, thank you for joining me today. Oh, I'm happy to be here, and thank you for having me. This is this is so exciting to talk to another human associated with the Walt Disney Company. It's always fun to talk Disney, and of course, everything else. We won't just talk Disney. I understand Great. the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World is coming up on October 1st, and so yeah. much more. But I want to take it back to the beginning of time for Tom. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Oh my gosh, I love that question. I was a child, a baby, sitting in a theater chair watching my mom perform. I remember her, she was in Gypsy as Tessie Tura, one of the, I gotta have, gotta have a gimmick uh, strippers. <laughs> and um, I just remember everything being so fabulous. And um, I think it was ingrained from sitting there in the chair and uh, there's a story, although I don't recall it, is that they were rehearsing at length the show. And I think my mother said she, they were on stage with this blocking problem. And they heard this little boy voice in the back of the theater said, it would be better if she came in from the left. And then everybody turned around and the director of the show was like, yeah, I think it would. So. If humble beginnings, uh, my mom was a singer dancer, and then my dream was to always um, be in the theater, and I always was. But as a pragmatic person, I had three areas of study, which was journalism, uh, because I love to write. Uh, I, I feel that um, the literary arts gives an expression that you can't always put on stage. And I was fascinated by um, business and religion as well. I, I, I think of myself as a spiritual person, but I love knowing about the world's religions. So um, I was ironically ex uh, in a, um, accepted at Columbia for grad school in journalism the same day I got my first off-Broadway show in 1982. So right then and there, I made the choice, I'm going to go theater. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, going back to the to the growing up for a second, what what were some lessons that your your parents taught you about work ethic? Well, we had to work. So um, first of all, we all lived. I call it the moonstruck life. We all lived in a firehouse in New York that my grandfather converted into apartments for all the family. What? So my cousins lived below us. My grandparents below us, my aunt and uncles and their kids. And they, we had a store at the base level and we all had to work the store. It was an Italian deli and um, everyone was encouraged. My grandparents encouraged their kids, meaning my parents and my uncles to be professionals. So they went, they had to work the store and become a lawyer and become a financial accountant and become a lawyer and preferably a lawyer. That was a thing, be a lawyer. Oh, um, so, and then, and the kids, we had to just wash floors, uh, serve, sure. make sure the macaroni was in the right number of orders. Because as an Italian, you know, macaroni has spaghetti, pasta, 
has numbers. So there's there's seven, eight, and nine. And we know the difference, but really nobody else does. So right. that's what my life growing up was like. Just for my brain, where in the city was this firehouse? Okay, so this is, we all lived in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. Then we moved to Ocean Parkway, Brooklyn. And then everyone thought, let's all separate. We live too close together. And so everyone moved to Rochester and bought houses next to each other. So we really couldn't make the disconnect, but at least we all got our own houses. I absolutely love that. Um, Going back to the family too, because this is very interesting. What, What did you learn about kindness growing up? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I love, I love that kindness is such a big, huge factor in my life. Um, we were taught there was honesty in the house, right? So there was dinners. We're mainly talking about family and life things, but I think with honesty comes kindness because, um, if you, you can't be live from a point of forgiveness and being kind, if you don't know what the, the base root problem is, Mm-hmm. So I truly believe that today too. You can be kind, but it's easier to be kind if you know what's the trouble that you could help them with. So we were, um, luckily I had a very a liberal family, uh, one that was, um, I mean, we were just, we, we were taught that everyone is equal um, unless you were Aunt Connie or Aunt Rose, then they could just slap you for any reason at all. But um, <laughs> they, they, and, and the grandmothers ruled, so they, everyone was equal except maybe the women. They were in charge. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were taught to be kind and to respect everyone. We had like a rule: you go in a room, kiss everybody, because that's what we do. We don't know. I'm, we're all like, oh, well, what if they have a cold sore? Doesn't matter. You're a kid. Kiss everybody. So, yeah, we had a kindness was a big thing and be respectful of everyone. Yeah. um, Until you really know them and then you can decide if they deserve your respect. Hmm. I want to talk about the journey from the New York City theater scene to Disney. What were the Hmm. what were the first steps for that? I understand it had to do with the hunchback. Um, What was that journey for you just starting off there? This is another weirdo, ironic, same day thing. So I had um, right from that first off-Broadway show, I sort of had a theater path in New York as well as tours and stuff. So I did some some really great productions working with some really great people. And I had just finished doing um, Evita in Europe for a long time uh, with Harold Prince. And I was actually his associate on the show after a while. And that show closed and I came back to... Um, New York, West 45th Street, 341, West 45th, 28th and 9th, Hildana Court. So weird, you know. Um, and there was two auditions, and one was for, for uh, Forbidden Broadway, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and the other was for the Disney Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, I never, ever in a million years dreamed that I'd want to be in the Hunchback. It worked for Disney. I had no really connection, although I did love, like, mermaid and the renaissance of disney especially beauty and the beast so hmm. i they were across the hall from each other i'm i don't know if you've ever been to old, the older new york studios but there were just rooms 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 i went to forbidden broadway and i sang i got rhythm off rhythm which is some one of my comic things right so i told the piano player oh, can you play i got rhythm and the guy's like of course i can play i got rhythm i said okay 
just play I got rhythm, but I'm not going to sing it on rhythm. He's like, okay, this should be really good. And I'm like, so I did it. And it was, it's funny. It's really stupid. So I leave there and I go across the hall and I see Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame and I read the synopsis and I'm like, you know, this sounds meaty. It's like, I know I can't be Ariel. I mean, I could at home um, and I am often when I'm vacuuming, but uh, I thought, you know, this is a chunk of theater. It sounds cool. It sounds like the next step. So I went in, but I wasn't prepared for anything Disney. So I said, do you mind if I sing I Got Rhythm off Rhythm? And they're like, do you have anything else? I'm like, I really don't. And they're like, okay, do that. So I did that. And, you know, I the, the, even the piano, the accompanist there was even more like, so you want me to play this, but not with you? I'm like, yeah, just play it. And they're like, are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I did that and they thought it was funny. Then they had me, they said, do you know any Disney songs? I said, I do, but it's going to be so not right. I said, I could sing part of your world. They're like, that's usually a girl song. I'm like, well, I know that, but I know that one and it's in my key. But can I skip the part where she talks about all of her stuff? That's neat because I don't think I can remember all of her stuff. And they're like, yeah skip the stuff. So I sang that song and, they, and actually I do that. So I don't know. I like to think I do that song. Well, I don't know why. Yeah. And so they're like, Oh, that's really cool. So I get home next day. I got both forbidden Broadway and the next call was Disney. I got that job too. And I, my gut said, go with Disney. And that was the best decision I've ever made. I... Was that story too long? I think it was too long. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Actually, it was fantastic. Do you remember who was casting Hunchback back then? Yeah, Russ Jordan. His name was Russ Jordan. He became an excellent friend of mine. Uh, and when I moved out of show into a show director position, uh, Russ and I became very close. And then we were sent to China together mm -hmm. uh, to open up the market for China, bringing Disney ran to China and all of Asia before Hong Kong was built. And then we were there for the Hong Kong built. So the guy that hired me actually ended up being a terrific friend of mine. And his wife was the senior vice president of entertainment. So we all lived, went to China together and had a, um, an amazing journey filled with learnings and um, everything you can imagine about learning about people, life and work. I, I want to talk about introducing Halloween. Uh, to the to Asia. But How do you even know about that? I, I do a little research, you know. I, I do a little reading. I just, but I want to go back to this Hal Hal Prince moment. How did you become the associate for Hal Prince? As a okay, how did yeah, that? I for some reason I think people in your audience who are in theater or they know theater or or they they'll recognize this. I seem to remember everything. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's a gift. It's almost a curse. Like, like I'll know your blocking probably before mine. Right. Like I'm like, so, so, and you know, ironically enough that became noticed. I was, I was usually the dance captain in a show. Um, first of all, I want to be absolutely clear. I was probably always the worst dancer at least, but I remembered what everybody was supposed to do and I knew how it was supposed to be done. So that's the key, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the, the people that I would perform with would be much better dancers than I, but I would remember the track. So that's how it happened. Uh, and that's how I became um, an associate. And that's how I became uh, someone, you know, Harold Prince wouldn't show up for all rehearsals, right? I mean, like, it doesn't happen. So 
especially a show that was long running and stuff. So he'd come in for the last few days and someone would have to make sure it was his original vision. Taking note, you know, it removes your ego. I also learned a lot about that. You remove your ego and you do his work, sure. you know, and, and that, that's how that happened. And it, this was something like the stage manager had mentioned this to you. Like, you know, you seem to know a lot of this. Was this a, a voted thing or you were just put in that position? He shows up and you kind of it happens. Yeah. When your contract comes up, um, when you sit down for your renewal, um, they offer that to you. Okay. So first year, of course, I was uh, in the ensemble playing Juancito, who is Ava's brother and i was so close to the ava that we would you know when she stands on the bridge and is about to do that big song yeah and uh, i'd always say something under my breath that wouldn't be able to let her start without like having to look like she had to fake a cry like one time we were standing up there and i think we were in finland she well you know the big white dress oh, right yeah. she walks out in this big white dress and i'm standing directly perone's one side her brother, who's less important on the other side, and she's she's about to say, it won't be. And I'm like, I could wear that dress better than you. And she just, she laughs, she laughed, and her head hit the microphone, and she started the, the song with a thunk. It was, and it was hilarious to me. <laughs> to this day, it was Rebecca Storm was the Ava. She was like the rock and roll Ava. Yeah. Rebecca is amazing. Um I mean, her Ava was sort of like a rocker singer. And um, to this day, we still, we have a, you know, an Evita group sure. that we connect every once in a while. And, and Rebecca Storm is um, an amazing person, friend, and humanitarian. Yeah. But I forgot your question. Me too. Oh, I, did I answer it even? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm really... I'll just whinge on and on. No, I love this. Let's just let's just keep going. The um, so hunchback. You go down to Florida. It's beautiful. It's yeah. sunny. It's warm. What is the it journey? Really warm. Yeah. What was the journey of that show? Maybe some lessons learned, and then I want to get into these next steps of becoming a show director. And you know. no, okay. So uh, first of all, I did not know we were performing outside. So I get there and we're in a rehearsal, the rehearsal studio, you know, state of the art. I yeah. mean, we Disney stuff, right? Right. So I'm really impressed. I picked up at the airport. I brought to my apartment, blah, blah, blah. They said, then, you know, you really need to get a car. And I'm like, I'm not getting a car. They're like, well, you're moving here for a year. And you, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. So when we get there, they, they tell us about the theater. I'm like, it's outside. <laughs> it's a million degrees. So um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to rehearse this show. I'm going to open it. I'm going to sing it a few times. And then I'm going to have some sort of tragic thing I must leave for, you know. <laughs> so, um, but I was quite turned around because the show was magnificently perfect. Uh, Fran Soda, the director, a good friend of mine, Janet Watson, who did Big River on Broadway, choreographer, uh, married to Tom Jones of Fantastics fame. Yeah. Um, the, the staff was amazing. The show was perfection. I mean, it was like being in a Broadway show, but in 45 minutes. The detail, the, Jim Joy was the set designer, Natasha Katz was the lighting designer, so many Tony Awards just in that grouping. Yeah. And... Um, I was I was uh, Hugo, the comedic gargoyle, and I also was Quasimodo, and, um, and it was very athletic. And there was lots of prosthetics, and there was 
major costumes and it was literally 200 degrees on that stage with all the lighting but it was one of the most emotionally beautiful shows especially when you would look out into the audience and see children who were differently abled uh, see themselves on stage um you know that was life-changing and i decided that i'm gonna stay more than a week and so it's 25 years later but the transition to show director was um you know, I used to do a lot of cabaret work in New York uh, with pals. We'd just get up and go to Don't Tell Mamas. We would do things at Danny's Starlight. I don't know if you know any of these places. They, sure. I, I'm Marie's Crisis. I'm sure you, you might know them. Yeah. Um, so, but no one was doing cabaret here in Orlando. 25 years ago, Orlando was a very different place. It was growing. You know, it was still theme park oriented and the downtown wasn't much. But I decided to do annual benefits and I'd get like a a place to just give me the place. And we would, there was a, uh, there was an old organization called Centaur, which has recently changed, uh, changed its name. It was a benefit for eight people living with AIDS. Mm. And um, so I decided I'm going to do a benefit every year and just be myself and not a Disney thing, but ask all my Disney pals to show what they really do besides their Disney work. So I did these huge benefits. And one year I decided, you know, I'm just going to invite the big wigs who I don't know who they are. I'm just going to invite them. I mean, like, why shouldn't they be here? Why should it all be peers? Hmm. Well, ironically enough, they came. And we I, I had gotten this warehouse that was, I don't even know, was uh, no air conditioning, set of folding chairs, great piano, great talent. And just based on that, I got an offer the next day to what I consider looking at Beauty and the Beast, which had been running a long time, which was strictly a dance show. Mm -hmm. um, it was a dance review. And they said, um, would you look at it and tell us what you would do to put the story in and redo it? And uh, I, I did that. And I, and I said, um, they said, what do you need? I said, well, I would like two weeks. I'd like music. And I'd like to be one cast a room and be left alone. And we'll present it back to you. And they were great. Disney was gracious enough to do that. And we presented back the show. We just, I had everyone wear a black t-shirt or tights or slacks. And I said, if we can't tell the story with all the, without all the props and all the hoo-ha, mm. then we're not telling the story properly. Mm. And that's how it started from that day. That's the show that uh, is running at Disney's Hollywood studios. And that started me as a show director which took me to now, which I'm a creative director for Walt Disney World. What would, what were the um, the lessons learned from that first? Was that just just came out of you staging that and getting that together? Were there some key moments during the process that really taught you something about the process? Um, this, theater is theater, right? Mm -hmm. So everything you know about theater works, except in the Disney system or any large corporation that's responsible for millions of people. Uh, watching a show and making it accessible. Sometimes it's people's and children's first exposure to any kind of theater. Um, the, the big key learning was that you, you can't do anything alone. Like I said, leave me alone, but it really needs every designer, every thought partner, every collaborative. And then there's a series of approvals from it goes up the ladder. Once sure. this vice president like it, does this vice president like it? Does and it, you know it, it, it's you learn patience process, but you also learn to be succinct and direct. 
because hmm. you need to be able to explain your idea, sell your idea, and then deliver it. Hmm. And um, you don't have a lot of time to make mistakes uh, because a lot of time, energy, people, money, and uh, deadlines are far more uh, uh, stringent. Is that a word? Stringent? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. if it's not a word, it's a word now. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I learned you have to be a true collaborator, and there's no bad ideas. Until I hear one, then I'm like, ooh, that's a bad idea. But um, <laughs> there, you really have to listen. The best idea could come from someone who merely not who merely has nothing to do with the show, but might be just a, an observer from afar that's working at a store and said, you know, I've always heard, you know, customers after they see this say this. And you're like, you know what? We never thought of that. Mm. So collaboration is key. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>